2: uh, listening to more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It is always a privilege and an honor to be able to spend the next hour with you to talk about what's going on with the nation's finances, what's going on with just a little bit of politics, a little bit of policy, a little bit about the money in your wallet and how you can make more of it. And so, thank you so much for uh, joining us. We really appreciate our loyal listeners who listen every Saturday. We're here every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. And uh, first of all, I want to tell you all, I, I got my jab yesterday. I got jabbed uh, right in the shoulder. I have my vaccination. And by the way, my shoulder's a little sore today, but but no other side effects from the vaccine. And uh, I tell you that because I urge people, if you're over the age of 30, you should get vaccinated. I do believe in Freedom and so people should have the freedom to choose about whether they want to get vaccinated. But I gotta tell you folks, your uh chances of um having any kind of adverse reaction to the uh to the vaccine is only one one hundredth of the chances of having some kind of negative side of negative effect from COVID or the Delta variant. By the way, the delta variant, thank God, is not nearly as dangerous as the uh alpha variant that we had last year but it is still problematic people are still being hospitalized so why not protect yourself get protected from uh from this from this terrible virus thank thank you to donald j trump for uh helping develop this incredible life-saving vaccine um operation warp speed was an incredible accomplishment i don't think trump gets nearly the credit he deserves i truly believe that if there were justice in this world that we would have uh, a nobel peace prize for donald j trump for a vaccine that will in the end save millions and millions of lives around the world and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives here in the united states so that is a great accomplishment i um want to do a shout out to my friend john katsamedes who is just an amazing businessman he is the owner and operator of this great talk radio station. Folks, you're listening to the most important talk radio station in the United States of America. We reach all the way up to Maine, all the way down to Georgia. Uh, We have so many listeners uh, across uh, the East Coast. And by the way, we also have uh, some affiliate stations around the country and California and elsewhere. So thank you all for joining. Uh, This is, by the way, Freedom of Speech Radio. By that i mean your calls we want you to call in in about 30 minutes or so to the more money hotline because we're going to talk about a lot of ideas this afternoon and i want your feedback i don't care if you agree with me or not in fact if you don't agree with me call in those are some of the best calls people who you know be be respectful and let's have a good honest discussion there's too much yelling and screaming and punching these days and not enough honest intellectual discussion, but I want to hear your ideas. And so the topic for today's show is how do we how do we make sure that America doesn't go broke? And I am so concerned about this massive spending bill that Joe Biden wants to pass. Six trillion dollars of additional debt. We had trillions and trillions of dollars of debt during COVID uh, when Trump was president. Uh, We can argue about whether that was the right thing to do or not, but I do think that the idea of $5 trillion of additional debt right now is insane. I think people who are in favor of that should be put in the loony bin. Uh, We are only gonna make inflation worse. We're gonna put the debts of our country on the backs of our children and grandchildren. What great nation does that? You know, the liberals in Congress are pretending, oh, we can just borrow and borrow and borrow trillions of dollars. Modern monetary theory says we can just borrow as much money as we need. It's like, you know, oh, gee whiz, we're giving the United States Congress an unlimited credit card. Does that make sense to you folks? (laughs) You think that we should give Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the Republicans and Democrats an unlimited credit card? Because I sure don't. I think it's a prescription for financial disaster. Now I'm gonna quickly before we go to our two guests this afternoon i'm going to shout out to you 10 or 15 ideas about how we can protect america from financial bankruptcy how we can tame congress how we can rein in this out of control government in washington and give more power to the people not power to politicians power to the people now here are my ideas and i want your feedback folks i want Number one, I want you to tell me whether you agree or disagree with my ideas and my reforms. And number two, if I'm leaving something off the list that we need to do to get our country back uh, as a limited government, uh, where we honor our Bill of Rights, the right of free assembly and the right of free speech and the ninth and 10th amendments, which say only the powers The the powers that are specifically enumerated in the Constitution to the federal government, and those are very limited powers, they're building roads, the National Defense, the Postal Service, and other kinds of vital services. But all of the other powers, as the Ninth and Tenth Amendments say, and I call Ninth and Tenth Amendments the forgotten amendments in our Constitution, they say the power resides with the states and with the people the states and the people. Congress, you do not have autocratic control of our society. You don't. So when when, uh, Joe Biden says, oh, I'm just going to have a moratorium on evictions, you don't have the power to do that, Joe Biden. You're not a dictator. You're the president. You work for us. We don't work for you. Okay, quickly, here are my solutions, and I want your feedback. Number one, Let's adopt a flat rate income tax of 19% and get rid of all the loopholes, all the carve outs, all the special interest provisions. Everybody pays 19%. You don't pay any tax up to the poverty level and then you pay 19% above. Rich people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett don't have any places they can hide their money. Everybody's gonna pay their fair share, but we're gonna have the lowest tax rates in the world and we're gonna get rid of uh, all the complexity, the tens and tens of thousands of tax code we're gonna make it simple, we're gonna make it fair, and we're gonna make it a pro-America. The flat tax of 19%, that's the Steve Forbes idea, I love it, that's number one. Number two, we ought to require work as a condition for any welfare program. If you're gonna collect welfare, and we wanna help people in need, we're gonna have a safety net, but if you're gonna get a safety net, we're gonna require you to either look for a job or get a job, no more idea of you sit on the couch for six months and collect benefits. You got to work for your benefit or you got to be looking for a job. And if you're not, we're cutting you off. That happened under Bill Clinton. It was a successful policy that got people back into the workforce. I'm sick and tired of millions of people sitting on the couch, not contributing to our society and collecting our tax dollars. Number three, all government programs that give money to corporations or businesses or families or farms should be loans. We should loan the money to people and they should pay it back. It should not be just a handout. Let's get rid of handouts. It's a loan program if you need, if you've got tough times and need some temporary help, we'll give you a low interest loan, but you pay that money back to the government when you're back on your feet. Number four, pass a law that disqualifies any company, corporation or household with incomes or assets above $1 million from getting a federal grant or loan. I call it the Millionaire Exclusion Act. If you make a million dollars or more as a business or an individual, you don't get a grant or a loan from the government. That means Elon Musk, who's got $5 billion from the federal government. No more of that. You're not getting money because you're already well off. You don't need government assistance. Number five, term limits for Congress. Six years in the House, 12 years in the Senate, three terms in the House two terms in the Senate, you're gone. Let's get rid of the permanent ruling class. We should have a citizens legislature. Term limits would go a long way to solving our problems. Um, Another one, um, have a limit on the amount of government spending every year. That limit should be set at the rate of inflation plus population growth each year, and Congress is not to spend (laughs) over that amount unless they declare a national emergency like COVID, and that should require a two-thirds vote of Congress. Let's put the federal government and the federal budget on a diet. All right, and here's another one. Um, Let's allow young workers, those workers under the age of 40, to take 10% of their paycheck, and rather than put it into this black hole of Social Security, you basically get the money put your money into an individual account. You, you, the money is invested in index funds. so you're not directing your money, you're just owning all American companies. And yeah, by the way, that is something that will pay you about three times as much benefit as Social Security will, because the the stock market goes way up faster. And I love this thing, I was listening to an ad on uh, WABC earlier, they say, oh, my Social Security account, like you're making all this money off it. No, the work, worst investment you're gonna make by far in your lifetime is Social Security. For those of you who are over the age of 50, you would have a retirement account that would be worth well over a million dollars. And by the time you retire, it would be worth a million and a half dollars. If you had just been able to put that money into an index fund, you would have a three times higher benefit. So instead of getting about $30,000 a year from social security, you'd have about $90,000 a year from your personal account. So let's move to that kind of system. Let's allow, here's another one. Let's allow drilling and mining on American land, uh, property, uh, federal lands, and let's, we estimate $50 trillion of assets, $50 trillion of assets owned by the federal government. Let's get the oil and gas and coal and precious minerals and get them here in America so we don't, we don't have to import them from Saudi Arabia and China and Russia, and let's produce the jobs, the economic development. And by the way, this is a good way to reduce our national debt because the $50 trillion of assets trillion of it would be paid in royalties to taxpayers and we can use that money to reduce the national debt. So those are some of my ideas. I want to hear ideas from you on our More Money hotline in about a half hour. We're going to start taking your calls, less than half, about 25 minutes. And in the meantime, you are listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. We will be right back to talk about the threats of inflation and is there a financial collapse in our future if we pass this outrageous $5 trillion Biden spending bill. We'll be right back in one minute.
1: This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore.
2: Hi, folks. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. I am your host, Stephen Moore thank you for joining some of your Saturday afternoon to uh, talk and discuss uh, the issues of the day when it comes to our economy our finances and your wallet Uh, I am so privileged to have two of the top financial analysts and monetary experts in the United States of America as my next hosts and we're gonna have a great kind of panel discussion over the next 20 minutes about what's going on with inflation, what's going on with the uh, job market, what's going on with the uh, stock market and so on. And so my first guest is Judy Shelton. Judy is um, probably the smartest person in America on monetary policy. And I'm not exaggerating, folks. She was uh, nominated by President Trump to be on the Federal Reserve Board. Um, And uh, the Senate very foolishly did not bring her up to a vote because they didn't like Donald Trump. But what a loss to the country that was. But Judy has been in this game for a long time. She had a fantastic piece in The Wall Street Journal uh, about four or five days ago about wages and inflation. I want to get into that. But my second guest uh, for this panel discussion is Jerry Boyer. And many of you know Jerry from many years uh, at National Review. Uh, As a columnist, he also is now the financial editor to, uh, town hall and I'm privileged to write for town hall. So Jerry, you do a great, great job there. And and uh, he's been a financial analyst for many, many years. So uh, guys, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I want to get right down to this issue of the jobs report. Uh, Judy Shelton, I'm going to uh, ask you about this. So, you know, obviously a blockbuster jobs report with a million jobs or so created. Uh, fantastic news for the workers of America. Uh, America is opening up again, but I was struck by uh, this uh, data on the wages, which shows that wages grew about four percent year up, over year, which is a good number. But inflation, Judy, is running ahead of four percent; it's closer to five percent, and that means that from a uh, you know in terms of purchasing power, workers aren't you know as well off as you might think because everything is more expensive. So. Judy, what do you make of those numbers?
3: Well, Steve, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for your, your kind comments. And um, I, I'm very proud to have been a nominee uh, mm-hmm. of the Trump administration. And um, it's just great to have a chance to discuss these issues with you. Um, it turns out that uh, it's not unusual for wage gains to not keep up with inflation, and and that's why that that piece in the journal um, has right. as a title, uh, mm-hmm. "No inflation isn't good for workers," <laughs> right. because it's, right. <laughs> it's it's quite amazing that um, people think this Keynesian notion of nominal wage increases is somehow going to satisfy workers, but actually people are pretty savvy right. and. If inflation is going up at a higher percentage than those wage gains, then it's a net loss to them. And I find it interesting that um, the Federal Reserve conducted in 2019 this Fed listens tour. They went to 15 town halls around the country, ostensibly to talk to people about um, how they feel about the Fed and its, its dual mandate. And it turned out when they took a questionnaire, uh, asked in a survey, uh, 150 people representing, according to the Fed, a cross section of society. I mean, including disadvantaged communities and mm-hmm. and low wage workers. What is more important, uh, full employment for the Fed to pursue or stable prices? They said stable prices, and that's when well, inflation. That was, by the
2: way, Judy, Judy, was what was this a survey or where where where, where do you get those yeah. numbers? This was
3: part of the Fed Listens Town Hall in okay. San Francisco, and oh they God. invited people. And, and uh, right. they were supposed to be representing uh, disadvantaged communities, labor organizations, wow. businesses, wow. this broad cross-section. And they said that price stability was very wow. important, 79%. Wow a lower wow. percentage said maximum employment wow. was as important and and that was when the CPI was 1.7%. Think how they feel now at 5.4%. So I think the Fed is not listening. And <laughs> and even on on the Fed's own website Um, they acknowledge that they really can't affect employment that much. That's really a structural thing. So I think the Fed misinterprets its role, and they don't understand that the good numbers we had in 2018 and 2019 were because of the pro-growth policies of (laughs) the Trump administration, which you and Larry Champion and which under President Trump were pursued successfully, Reducing taxes so you had a better environment for business, more competitive internationally, and uh, cutting the unnecessary regulation. That is why we got those numbers. We actually had quite erratic monetary policy. It was raised four times in 2018, and then three of those were taken back in 2019. So they just didn't understand the impact of the pro-growth structural changes.
2: So, Jerry Boyer, uh, way in here. Uh, do you agree with what Judy is saying? Is the Fed behind the curve on inflation? And uh, or are we headed for an economic boom, as they seem to think we are?
0: The uh, Fed is behind the curve, and the Fed is almost always behind the curve because it's <laughs> right. really a third mandate that's not spoken. Right? It's not. It's not unemployment. Right. The first mandate is price stability. The second mandate is you know employment stability. But the real mandate is second point two, which is employment for Fed Chairman. Um, that they don't want to lose their job, and they lose their job when they turn off the money spigot and people get worried. So easy money is uh, a great way for Fed chairman to get reappointed unless the inflation gets really out of control. But um, in general – um, the political pressure is not towards monetary discipline; it's towards keep the party going, um, and that's definitely what we're seeing here. And that's why they keep moving the goalpost. You know, while well, we want inflation to be two percent, then they choose this specific metric PCE, which is a little bit cheaty. Um, Because it's easier to beat that one. It's like an easy A in inflation. And then they say, all right, well, it's 2%, but we really want it to be 2.5%. Well, what we really want is for it to be 2.5% on average – so then we have to be higher than that to make up for the years we were 1.5%. And then we have
2: to be 2.5% on average for an extended <laughs> right. period of time. So they right. keep changing the goalposts. Right, right. So uh, we've got to just, we're, I want you guys to stay over if you can for our next segment. And we just got about two more minutes in this segment. But so I want to ask you both very quickly, uh, your whether you agree or not with Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, that this inflation is transitory. Judy, let's start with you.
3: Well, that's such a vague term, and, (laughs) um, you know, it gives them so much wiggle room, and and it's one thing to suggest, oh, maybe it's for a month or two. I mean, now they're talking more like a year or two, and that is never recoverable. So I, I think the Fed would have a hard time giving a convincing rationale for what it's doing at this point.
2: And so what would you want, if you were the Fed chairman, what would you be doing right now, Judy?
3: Well, I... I think the mechanisms are where the real danger is. Um, I'm concerned that the Fed uses the emergency use of paying interest on reserves, and they uh-huh. keep holding that up as, well, we have the tools when we need them. But right. actually what they're doing, instead of supporting the economy, they're getting banks to want to continue to keep that $3.8 trillion right.
1: sitting
3: right. there doing nothing at the Fed and taking right. – supposedly higher interest on it in the future, and they're taking away potential financial investment for the private sector. That's very dangerous.
2: So, Jerry, do you think the Fed should be um, moving away from zero interest rates? Should they be, uh, you know, reducing their balance sheet? What would you be advising the Fed to do?
0: Well, first, you know, let me second what uh, what Judy just said. The Fed should not be paying banks to not lend to us. That's absolutely crazy. I mean banks are there to lend to us, and if the Fed says, well, if you don't lend, we'll pay you interest, um, that's really kind of unbelievable. It maybe explains why there was some opposition even from some Republican circles to right. her nomination um, because not everybody who's in big business is actually pro-free markets, unlike their monopolies. Um, so I think you know, that's definitely a factor. I, I think that the Fed should not be setting interest rates at all. I think we should be. We should set them by borrowing or lending. We can handle that on our own. We don't need the Fed to do that. I think their inflation target should be zero point zero zero. Everything else is theft. Um, And I think they should not be pumping any more money into the economy. I wouldn't take it out quickly because that can be a shock, as we saw in 2018. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: But I try to stabilize where we are now. That's Jerry Boyer, uh, who is a a leading financial analyst and Judy Shelton Uh, is with us as well. We will be right back with the two of them. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio WABC.
1: This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore.
2: Welcome back, folks. You're listening to 77 Talk Radio WABC. This is More Money. I'm your host, Stephen Moore. Thanks for joining some of your Saturday afternoon uh, with us. Uh, Don't forget in about 10-15 10-15 minutes our next segment we are going to take calls from you all we want to hear your ideas about how we can do something out about this out of control government spending that is going on in washington what kind of reforms do we need in washington i want to hear from as many people as possible on that subject do you think government spending is out of control and what do we do about it and uh, welcome back judy shelton one of the top uh, monetary experts in america she was uh, uh she was appointed by donald trump uh, nominated by trump to be on the federal reserve board she should be the chairman of the federal reserve board as far as i'm concerned and jerry boyer who is one of the top financial analysts in the country welcome back uh guys um judy um how concerned are you about this out of control government spending
3: i'm i'm very concerned and and it seems so ill-advised especially as we're going into a potential boom situation um, you asked about uh, Fed policy. When you mm-hmm. think of it, what they're calling accommodative, after <laughs> we've had zero interest rates for 17 months, how is this creating the next job? And and is right. that really the issue? At a time when when the government is paying people not to work, the Fed is paying banks not to lend, the only accommodation is occurring – with respect to the Fed's purchases of Mm -hmm. the Treasury debt, which is covering the deficit spending. So Mm -hmm. I agree very much with what Jerry said. I think the Fed is too prominent. We see this freakishly low rate on the 10-year Treasury because they're distorting returns. They're too political in accommodating this government deficit spending, and they're just too powerful, creating money and then corralling it to pay off the banks for keeping it at the Fed,
2: Jerry Boyer. Um, you know, it seems to me that the Biden administration and uh, and the Democrats in Congress are disciples of this new branch of uh, macroeconomics that uh, is called modern monetary theory. I know you're very familiar with that, Jerry. Hmm. What's wrong with it? Well, what's wrong with it is that it's never worked in
0: history. Um, the other OK, thing that's well, what, what is what is can you explain to people what modern monetary theory is? Modern monetary theory um, is based on the illusory um, idea that the central bank can essentially create unlimited amounts of money um, right. and then lend the, that to the government so that uh-huh. the government, the United States government has no real limit on its ability to spend uh, purchasing
2: power. I mean, so wait, wait, wait. hold on right there. You mean you mean people actually believe that?
0: Yes. Well, no, yeah, look, I'm not sure if they actually believe it. Um, I mean, you know, we're addicted to easy money. So I think any right. addicts can kind of talk themselves into believing right. anything. Uh, but it might just be a rationale. Now, it could be we do that for a few years and deficits explode and you know, inflation keeps going. And then they say, well, I guess we really do need a tax hike. So, you know, modern monetary theory might be a negotiating move uh, for it right. to justify the spending. And then later on, they go back to pushing for tax hikes. So I don't know what they believe. All I know is the thing they say they believe is unbelievable.
2: So you said it has not worked anywhere at any time in history. I mean, I can't think of, I mean, let me put it like this, Jerry. As I look at the evidence historically, that story never has a happy ending.
0: No. And I mean, I guess you could say it works if your design is to destroy an economy and collapse its currency. So it helped end the British Empire and it helped end um, the German Republic. So it has in some sense worked in ending, you know, Spanish domination of the world or Portugal or Netherlands. So whenever it's tried, uh, eventually you get some kind of terrible currency collapse and something like hyperinflation.
2: So, Judy Shelton, uh, the other day, about a week ago, uh, my jaw dropped when I was watching uh, President Biden, he was doing a, a CNN town hall meeting and he was asked about inflation. And he said, well, what we have to do to get control of inflation is pass my $4 trillion spending bill. And I don't quite the logic of that, mm-hmm. uh, but does that make any sense to you? Because it seems to me it's more like, uh, you know, uh, dousing a forest fire with gasoline.
3: Um, well, I do not think it makes any sense. And um, it's kind of an oxymoronic statement and uh, sort of a a double talk. Um, If you believe that, as I do, limited government is a better approach, um, that you're more likely to get genuine economic growth, the kind that actually uh, raises living standards and makes people more prosperous, then you're better off having the private sector and within mm-hmm. a free market economy, determine the best use of financial resources. And if you go along with modern monetary theory, you're looking at unlimited government because it doesn't even have to prioritize spending. It can do everything. So you're, you're empowering government. And under those circumstances, if they really can spend all they want with no deleterious effect, then why pay taxes? And I... I Even worse, under modern monetary theory, the main reason is to punish the wealthy. (laughs) So it fits in with this whole idea of putting a target on the back of the most creative people, the ones who generate real jobs and higher standards of living. And uh, I just think it's part of the Elizabeth Warren approach to the role of a central bank in a free market economy, which is to perpetuate more government and more imposing government.
2: So, Jerry, do you think that um, what, what what would you project the inflation rate to be, say, six months from now or a year from now? Do you think we're going to see a, a lessening of inflation or uh, you know an increase? Because even the Fed, uh, even uh, Jerome Powell, uh, about a week or so ago said, "Well, it might be six of inflation." You know, they as you said, they keep me- moving the needle on this one. But what is your what would what, what you forecast inflation to be? And also, if we pass this $4 trillion spending bill, how high could inflation go?
0: Yeah, I, I guess I don't know what it's gonna be six months or one year from now, because there's a certain volatility, especially right. when policy is volatile, then <laughs> right. inflation can be volatile. Um, but – and it would be hard for actually – if in the last month, by some measures, it went up 10 percent annualized. So, right. I mean, we're kind of verging on – I think when you and I were with um, Rob Barnat, he said maybe transitory hyperinflation um, huh. and then back down to just high inflation. I just – I think that we're entering a period, just like we've come off a period of kind of lower inflation than expected. For mm-hmm. reasons that I think uh, Judy Shelton's mentor, um, Robert Mundell, explained that the right. world would buy our debt and buy our dollars. Well, they're not doing that anymore. So I think we're entering a period of heightened inflation. I wouldn't say hyperinflation. Sometimes it will be negative because you, you, you know, when it's volatile, it's volatile. But I think we're going to – I'm pretty confident that over the next, say, three, four, five years, we're going to be higher than historic averages by significant margins.
2: On inflation. OK, so um, yeah. that's Jerry Boyer, by the way, who is one of the top financialists and financial analysts in the country. And we also have Judy Shelton, who is uh, probably the world's foremost authority on monetary policy. So uh, in our last few minutes, guys, and thanks for joining us on this Saturday afternoon, uh, I want to talk about cryptocurrencies. And uh, Judy, there is a big story in The Wall Street Journal. Uh, I guess it was yesterday on the front page about the, the uh, SEC wants to uh wants to regulate cryptocurrencies and I wonder uh as someone who has been in and around the Fed for so many years do you think the Fed should be regulating cryptocurrencies and you know I'll just tell you my attitude about them I like the fact that they are kind of a private competition to central bankers but I wonder what your view is
3: I I also like them as private competition and um one of my favorite economists was Frederick Hayek, who talked about private alternative currencies
1: mm-hmm. back
3: in the 70s. And his attitude was that competition always gives you a better product.
1: Right. And I think
3: what we're seeing in, in, the, um, in the wake of what happened in 2008, and if the Federal Reserve isn't in some way responsible, I don't know who, who had more authority over calibrating the amount of money and credit in the economy than the Federal Reserve. But I think that the beginnings of the alternative currencies fi- find their roots in almost a libertarian idea of mm-hmm. money's too, too important to trust the government.
2: And Jerry, so, oh, okay, sorry, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, go ahead. Well,
3: I'm just, I, I'm just saying that this ha- had to happen at some point, and this is a signal of the, the rising uh, bid for legitimacy of alternative cryptocurrencies is that now the government's starting to brandish their own weapons first it was just (laughs) to suggest that these are only involved in unsavory transactions now the tax treatment potentially but until they have legal tender status they're at a real disadvantage against it all
2: Yeah. yeah the empire is striking back for sure And uh, Jerry, you know, it's interesting. I just saw this analysis uh, a couple of days ago that Bitcoin has been the highest performing asset over the last 10 years. You know, it's people who invested in uh, Bitcoin 10 years ago are are multimillionaires now, uh, now, although it's fallen by about 35 percent this year. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster. So I'm wondering um, what you think the federal I mean, do you agree with Judy that these are that cryptos are. A useful competition. Would do you think the SEC and the Fed should be uh, should be um, regulating them? Yes and no. <laughs> yes, I okay. agree that it's useful competition. Even the ones that yeah. don't work are useful
0: competition, <laughs> right. uh, because competition right. is a point. Um, and no, they shouldn't be regulating them. But I can see why, because they're trying to stifle the competition. we can't bring an antitrust suit against
2: our own government, because it's essentially trying right. to like, dominate the <laughs> currency market. Um, yeah, just so, like by I, the way, just I, like they're I, trying to dominate the, they're trying to regulate the uh, tax. You know, the tax. Uh, you know, they want to have a cartel on taxes around the world as well. You know, so. It's, it is governments right. fighting back against private alternatives,
0: right? Yeah, they are. And, you know, when people buy cryptocurrencies, and I think a lot of people who buy them don't understand them. So that's a sign of how really powerful the desire is to get away from fiat currencies. When people right. buy, they're voting. They're voting no on the whole system, right. of federal deficits, right. trade deficits, right. monetary, right. voting no. And what the government is saying is, I'm sorry, we're not going to accept your ballot anymore. Um, your no vote yeah. will not be registered. <laughs>
2: Boy, is that, that, that is very well put, Jerry. I mean, uh, you could just tell that, that the people at the Fed and, and, and politicians are getting very worried about cryptocurrencies, which is, in my opinion, a reason to buy them. And by the way, I don't completely understand them. I don't exactly understand how they work. I saw that the, uh, the uh, Fed chairman, I mean, not the Fed chairman, the SEC chairman said that it's the Wild West of investing. Well, folks, what's wrong with that? If you want to take the risk, and you want to put your money down? I don't see the federal government should be intervening in ways that says you can't do that. Look, we've been listening to Judy Shelton, who is one of the top financial and Fed uh, watchers in America, and Jerry Boyer folks, uh, both of you. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. We're gonna take your calls in just two minutes on the More Money hotline, 1-800-848-9222. What do we need to do to rein in government? That is the top of the day. What steps do you think? I I want term limits. I want spending caps. I want a flat tax. I want to privatize Social Security. I want to hear your voices. So we will be right back. You're listening to 77 Talk Radio, WABC. Call in 1-800-848-9222
1: to the More Honey Hotline. It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore.
2: Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. We're on every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. I want to thank my great friend John Katsamidis, who is the owner and operator of this great station, the number one talk radio station in America. I want to remind you all that if you want to get the Prosperity Hotline, which is one of the hottest newsletters in America about what's going on with uh, the economy, what's going on with uh, with a little bit of politics and what's going on with COVID, uh, it's, <clears throat> we will send that out to you free, free. Uh, all you have to do is go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline and just give us your email and we will send it to you absolutely for free. So, um, Get it, just sign up. Go to Committee on Unleashed Prosperity. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Newt Gingrich told me the other day it's the first thing he reads every morning. So please sign up and we'd love to get that to you. Join the 100,000 people who get that every morning. Now, um, I want to go to the More Money Hotline and our first caller is Joe from Georgia. By the way, this is, how cool is this? We get listeners all along the East Coast, all the way from Maine down to Georgia. I don't know if we made it, we go into Florida, but we reach uh, Georgia. So, Joe from from Georgia, what do you got for us,
1: Steve? You are the number one friend of the taxpayers and small business owners in history. Nobody else has done as much for the taxpayers and the small business people as the great Steve Moore. My question for you: You've worked very hard to stop these Biden tax and spending increases. My big question: You know this big bill is coming up in three or four days, Steve Moore. Can the big spending and in tax increases be stopped?
2: Well, that's the question. You know, whether, whether I do. Yeah, the answer is yes. I think if we rise up, Joe, as a people and we say hell no to this spending bench. By the way, folks, I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, libertarian, socialist. You know that if we continue to spend money like this, we're going to the pro, the poorhouse. We we need tax reduction. We need limited government. Obviously, during a crisis. You, you spend money when you need it, but the crisis is over. Joe, I think we have to get back to normal. By the way, we've got to win that Georgia seat, uh, Senate seat back in Georgia so we can get a same person in the Senate from the great state of Georgia. But this is a critical time, folks. We have to rise up as people, not violent. No, bi- violence is what the left does. But we have to let Congress know that we are opposed to the spending binge to so the massive tax increase, the debt tax increase, the capital gains increase, it's gonna hurt the stock market, it's gonna hurt jobs. So Joe, you are spot on my friend and I appreciate your call, but we have so many others that I wanna make sure I get to these. I think, let me just make sure I got this right. We have Eli.
4: Okay. Or I'm
2: sorry, is it El- from, from Rockland County?
4: Yes, thanks for taking Yes, sir. call. So, yes. a, a, I don't know how much time I have here. Okay, but basically. But just, just quickly,
2: because uh, we got four other comments. But just, what's your comment?
4: Okay. So, a, okay, about the flat tax. Now, yes. I'm very much for flat tax. There's no question yes. about it. Okay. But okay. I don't think I don't think this uh, equal to have 19% to somebody that makes 20 to 50,000 and somebody's make over a million, 10 million, because it's very simple. Okay, it's you look what you have after it Uh, especially depends where you live okay if you make fifty or forty thousand or twenty thousand dollars and you take nineteen percent you have much less as far as living cost increases and all this while if you have a million ten million whatever you still have much more to live with this is number one number two is which you didn't touch on is uh, lobbying i think lobbying is a scourge of this uh, you know, of this country, okay? Lobbying should be okay. against the law. Lobbying should be just like somebody is killing somebody here, okay? They are destroying uh, uh, this uh, government of us, okay? And I don't care if somebody's lobbying for a union or somebody's <laughs> lobbying for gas grillers or, or some high tech. They all should be outlawed, okay? And Got it. Okay,
2: Eli... Great call, great points. I wanna to respond to what you just said though. I look, I'm not against lobbying, uh, but we have a, you know, so many lobbyists in Washington, it's incredible. It's the reason that Washington is the richest county, you know, area in the in the country, because we got so many high price lobbyists and lawyers and, and uh, you know, and politicians and, and so on. But I will say this, that my feeling is if you've got a group that is lobbying, they should not be eligible for federal money, in other words, you shouldn't be able to take federal money and then also lobby, because then you just use the money you're getting from the government to lobby for more government from uh, from government. That's what's happening right now under Biden, folks. He's given out already 1.9 trillion dollars to all his left wing friends and groups, and now he is uh, he is trying to give that money to those groups so they can they can uh, uh, lobby for even more money. But, I, but in our closing minutes, I want to go to Judy in Manhattan who says put a limit on pages of proposed legislation. Judy, how are you?
3: Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, I suggest that uh, uh, there be a limit on proposed legislation, the number of pages, and require it to be standalone legislation, which is certainly easier to pass. And also one thing, like Hungary, please control the borders with uh, the chain link and... uh, uh uh barbed wire if need be on all borders so we can budget
2: you know it's a great idea uh that's a great call uh judy thank you so much for calling in and your 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 point is so well taken because folks you're not going to believe this but the bill that they're putting together this massive four and a half trillion dollar spending bill that's going to cl- include everything but the kitchen sink. They're throwing in their labor reforms, there. everything they want to do, all the spending, all the taxes, all the regulation. They're piling it into this bill. And you're not going to believe this, Judy and, and, and ladies and gentlemen. But that bill, some people estimate that that bill, which will be the most expensive bill in American history, are you ready for this? Will be 30,000 30, pages long. That's like 30 times longer than the Bible, for God's sake. I mean, come on, $30,000, 30,000 pages? How many people do you think are going to actually read that bill? You're going to have members of Congress who have no idea what's in the bill. 30,000 pages. That is a disgrace. Judy, you're so right. Let's put a limit on, on how much they can put in one bill. Okay, I want to go to Steve in New, New York City, who's been very patiently waiting. Steve, what do you got?
4: Steve, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Steve. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call, real sure. quick. Sure. Yeah. I, I agree with you. To, to, but in Congress, no one member, no one person can serve more than 12 years between both houses of Good. Congress.
1: Now, yeah. the federal government
4: will not approve that as a constitutional amendment I encourage people go to go on the Internet, Article 5 Convention of the States. That's how we're going to get that one passed. Number right. two, I agree with you. Flat tax. Also, yep. we need a voucher system because everything you I said love about the Tenth Amendment, generations after us don't understand that because you're not being taught properly. No more teaching of hate. We need a voucher system. And if government money is going to go to any school system, it's yep. to teach proper yep. U.S. history, the good and the bad, the Constitution, basic economics, basic taxation. What do you say, Steve?
2: Steve? Fantastic ideas! I love all three of them. I want to get to one last caller. I think we have. Do we still have Steve from New York City?
4: Yeah, you do this, Steve. All right. Listen, this is what it is, folks. The '65 Immigration Act has to be repealed. Legal and any illegal immigrants get big welfare benefits. That's inflation, folks. The '65
0: Immigration Act brought in new voters. And they have rebuilt the hard left in this country. The hard left is now pushing everything. It's their agenda full steam ahead. These new voters have taken over New York, California, Illinois. You can't lie
1: about it. You cannot say anything else is not true. This is true, folks. I'm the one delivering this news to you. You will not get it from the establishment. Remember, (laughs) the hard left and the
0: Republican Party are fronts for the establishment. I'll give you Exhibit A. They put this guy Fauci out as a straw man. They pound him. But they let the Chinese communist serial killers
4: skate. They're the ones who put the virus inside this country. Let's sue
1: their you-know-what's-off, folks. All right. And you'd still be living in America if Pat Buchanan got elected president.
2: Steve, great points. Uh, I I agree with you on illegal immigration. We got to get control of our border. I disagree with you on illegal immigration. I think legal immigrants who come into this country from all over the world, uh, for the most part, are great, great Americans uh, who are working hard and and believe in freedom and liberty. uh, And it is a great thing to see people succeed in this country. I don't know how we would get by if we didn't have the minds and the hard work of of the immigrants who come from the world. But you got to come in legally, folks. Got to come into this country legally. Uh, My more money lesson this week is if you have massive out of control government spending you're going to see massive out of control inflation so let's stop this spending bill let's rise up as americans and say hell no to washington's out of control budget folks i hope you have a great weekend You've been listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. I'm Steve Moore, and please tune in, same bad time, same bad channel, next Saturday at 2 p.m. Have a great weekend.
3: Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right.